sometimes have opportunities to speak at high schools, which uh, those are very different types of talks. And a high school booked me one time. Um, this is pre-pandemic. They booked me to come in to speak to their students about following your dreams. Okay, they booked me as an entrepreneur, um, somebody who had started a small business. And so I came up with what I thought was going to be a fantastic talk to give to the students about following their dreams, okay? Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the American dream has changed, okay? The American dream used to be that you would work very, very hard at a good job your entire life so that you could save up a bunch of money and that you could buy a nice house with a white picket fence, have 1.5 kids, and a dog. And you would work very, very, very hard at this job, and, when, and hopefully you would be able to retire someday. That was the American dream, right? It has actually changed now to getting paid to do that which you love to do, okay? So what people are seeing and what your generation is seeing is that it's not enough to work a job that you hate or even can just put up with if you're putting in tons and tons of time, right? And so what everybody wants, I'm not necessarily endorsing this, I'm just telling you it's changed. What people are looking for is jobs that have a transcendent um, fulfillment in their life, right? So they want to do something that fits with their gifts or something that they enjoy. And money is potentially second on that list. And so as I was looking at that and I was putting together this talk, I came up with this idea that I was going to come in and I was going to interact with the students and whatever job, I was going to ask them this question, if you could do anything for the rest of your life and get paid to do it, what would you do, right? And I was going to ask them that, and then whatever they gave me, whatever they told me, I was going to work, I, would, I, was gonna, I, I was prepared for anything, the most ridiculous thing. If somebody says, astronaut, okay, I was like, okay, yeah, you can do that, you got to work hard, you got to blah, 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 blah. If somebody said they wanted to be a video game designer, I'd say, you, you know, there's only like 30 of those in the world, and you got to work really, really hard, but you can do it. If they wanted to be an underwater basket weaver, which is an actual job, by the by, underwater basket weaver, yes, it was a degree. I actually had a friend, true story, who went to college for underwater basket weaving. It was a very expensive art school. Her parents were thrilled, trust me, for underwater basket weaving. Now, I believed when she told me this that underwater basket weaving was that you put on like a suit and you went and dived into the ocean and weaved baskets, but it's actually you just do it in a sink. But regardless, it, <laughs> there is a degree in underwater basket weaving, all right? So I was prepared for literally anything, right? So we have the school assembly, and I walk up to the first kid, and now they, they were scared. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm just, you're just a placeholder. Oh, you got real scared. Oh, my goodness. You started shaking. It's okay. It's going to be fine. I say, kid, if you could do anything for the rest of your life and get paid to do it, what would you do? The kid stared at me blankly. I said, can, can you give me something? A job. 
anything. What would you want to do? And the kid said, I'd eat. And I was like, <laughs> Joey Chestnut. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, it is early. You probably missed breakfast. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, go to the next kid. I'm like, I got to get, get something. Everybody giggle and laugh. So I go to the next kid. And I go, kid, listen, if you can do anything for the rest of your life, you get paid to do it. You can't say eat. Can't say eat. What would you do? And the kid looked at me and he said, I'd sleep. And everybody starts giggling, and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. So I'm like, okay. And, and my friends have told me about this story. They said, Dave, you're a youth pastor for 15 years. Like, you should have known better than to ask kids that they're going to give you something ridiculous. And I thought, you're right, you're right, I deserve this. So I go to the kid. I, I'm looking for the most ambitious kid that I can find, right? Like, I'm like, okay, scanning. I go up to this kid. I'm like, kid, listen, please, you've got to help me out. You've got to help me out. You can't say eat. You can't say sleep. If you could do anything for the rest of your life and get paid to do it, what would you do? The kid said, I'd watch Netflix. And everybody started laughing, right? Because, you know, everybody thought that was funny. Ha, 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 ha. You know, and I'm like, I'm standing there in some Now, listen, I recovered. I made it. But I had in that, like right there on that stage, I had an existential crisis. Because I, I said, oh, my goodness, they're not joking. They're actually not joking. Like they're telling me that if they could do anything for the rest of their life, they just want to eat sleep, and be entertained. Repeat. Eat, sleep, and be entertained. Repeat. Eat, sleep, and be entertained. Repeat. And that's their perception of heaven. That's their perception of the good life. And the reality is, is that all of us, for a time, we got to eat whatever we wanted, to sleep as much as we wanted, and to watch as much Netflix as we could. We remember quarantine, right? And you know what's interesting? That which we thought was going to be like heaven actually felt a whole lot more like hell, didn't it? Seriously. Like, for me, it blew me away. Because I, you know, so I was a youth pastor. I was also the director of a camp. We had thousands of kids that I had interacted with over the years. During this time, during the quarantine time, I have never dealt with more situations of hopelessness, depression, and flat-out suicide. True story, a kid messaged me, and he said, Goodbye, Pastor Dave. I am going to kill myself. And I said, Oh, my goodness. And I knew that he was serious. He had a plan. He told me exactly how he was going to do it. He was going to take a bunch of pills. He was going to go in the bathtub, and he was going to drift off into eternity. And instantly, from quarantine, because I couldn't go anywhere, I had to call the police, then call his grandmother who he lived with. I had to have the police go in and kick down the door to save his life. Why? Because he 
was so hopeless in that moment. He had, he, he, he got to eat as much as he wanted. He got to sleep as much as he wanted. And he got to be entertained. And it wasn't enough because there's more to life than that. There's absolutely more to life than eating, sleeping, and being entertained. You grab your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be starting with verse 8. I'll, I'll wait for you to get there. I believe... I think I said this last night. I believe that all scriptures God breathed, it is inerrant, it is great, it is fantastic. But there are some verses, if you are a Bible highlighting person, there are some verses that encapsulate our purpose, our direction, um, I would say more fully than others. There are verses that are very, very, very important. Ephesians 2.10, this is one of them. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. This, if you're a highlighter, highlight this passage, okay? This is the big answer to the question, what are we doing? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Okay, so Ephesians 2, starting with verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me read that again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Lord, I just pray that tonight that you would shake us. Lord, I pray that you would show us definitively the specific good works that you have created us to do. God, I pray that we would pursue you. I pray that our passion would be for you and that you would guide and direct as you see fit. In your precious and holy name, in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So, this passage here, this is the big, where do we go from here? What's going on? That you are, you were created, one, you were created. Let's go there. You were created. Our society goes to very great lengths to lie to us and tell Everybody, hey, you know what? Uh, you're you're nothing more than an accident. You're you know what? Like billions and billions of years ago, a bunch of gas came together and it bumped into each other, and then it became organic. And then that organism, you know, uh, crawled up out of the sea and it was like a fish. And then that fish became a monkey. And then that monkey learned how to shave. And here you are. That's the that's the lie that is perpetuated, that like constantly, that society from is going to great lengths to feed multiple generations, and it has not worked because they've constantly told everybody, you're an accident. 
You came together purely by chance billions and billions of years ago. You have no purpose. You have no goal. You have no mission. Good luck. Figure it out. And that, to a very large degree, is why we are in the situation that we are in. Right? Because we have stripped, one, God the creator from the story, and two, we've just gotten rid of purpose. Hey, just do whatever you want as long as you don't maybe hurt somebody else. As long as you have consent, you can do whatever, and hopefully you find some fulfillment, whatever that is, right? That is a lie from the pit of hell. You were created for a purpose. That purpose is right here. You're created to do good works. You were created to do things. You were actually created to do specific things. You weren't just created just to be, just to float, just to exist, just to lay back and chill, right? You weren't, that's not biblical, Okay? Now, there's time for Sabbath, there's time for rest, and there's time to go and do stuff you were created to do. There's specific good works which were, which were prepared in advance for you to do. We're going to be talking about those things. You are God's workmanship. Other uh, translations say you are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. Do I have any artists in the room? Okay, right, you what, you can draw a stickman, that's very good, that's very good, that's very good. Any, any, artists, raise your hands, raise your hands. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if you'd like to tell me, what is your medium of choice? What do you like to work in? You can just yell it out. What do you like? What? Pottery, very good. St- ooh, stippling, you're like next level, like ink, pen and ink stippling, there you go, Nice. Stippling, that's good. Singing, very good, yeah. Creating, yeah, very good. Other things, yep. Fighting, did, did you say fighting? Oh, okay, no, no, yeah, 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 that's good. Like UFC, I just, you know, I, did, I didn't go there at first, but yeah, fighting, okay, creatively fighting. <laughs> I am an artist in the ring. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you are. I hear you. All right. Uh, anybody else? Yes. In, in what? Dancing. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So I appreciate artists because I am an artist myself. Okay. I absolutely love uh, doing artwork. So uh, I drew this. This is, uh, so this t-shirt I wear is uh, the Bigfoot versus Yeti fighting. This is like one of my favorite t-shirts. I also drew this because I'm obsessed with Bigfoot. I'm actually not. I really am not. I just sell a lot of stuff. Like there's like a market for Bigfoot stuff. So I'm good at drawing big furry things because I see one in the mirror all the time. That's, that's it. But it sells. But when I was in high school, right, I made, I, I actually hacked school, okay? I hacked school. I found a way to take eight years of art in four years of high school, okay? Who here has block scheduling? Does anybody have block scheduling? Like, as I travel, yes, like you do. So here's, here's if, if you're wondering if you have block scheduling, if you have four classes a day in school, you have block scheduling. 
If you have eight or ten, you have whatever it is, traditional standard, okay? So block scheduling is, in my opinion, a terrible idea, all right? Um, and it is that you have a class for a semester. So you split the, the, the year in, in half. You have it for a semester, so you'll, you'll flip in the middle of the year. And you only take four classes. You take an hour and a half each day of the same class, right? So you only have four, but an hour and a half is a long time to be in class, right? Well, I found a way that I got my parents to sign off that I could take eight years of art in four years. So I took art every single semester. And my final semester, my teacher said, because we were like the upper, upper, upper level. This is my senior year. I'm getting ready to go to college. He says, all right, here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to take the kid gloves off. He said, we are, you guys are my upper, upper level students. You are going to work this semester on your masterpiece. He said, no quizzes, no tests, no anything. One project, you get graded on that, that's your grade. That's a little bit of pressure, right? Like, especially in high school. I had some college classes that were like that, but none in high school. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is very serious. This is a big deal. And then he said, but here's the catch. I am going to pick the medium of choice. Or I'm, I'm going to have choice over the medium. So you don't get to pick the medium. I get to pick the medium. And he knew our weaknesses. He knew the mediums that we hated. And as soon as he said it, his name was Mr. Ludwig, okay? And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, no. He's going to make me. And I'm looking down, and he goes, David, you're going to do clay. And I'm like, no, because I hated. He knew that I hated sculpture. Like, he knew that I absolutely loathed and despised sculpture. Who here likes sculpture? Raise your hand. Who's ever played with Play-Doh? Raise your hand. Okay, you're all sculptors then. Or sculptors, right? You know, you're all into it. I hate, I hate, 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 hate sculpture, all right? I, I can appreciate it, like, but I'm the type of guy, I like to do stippling, okay? I like the fine detail. I like pen and ink and just let me get in there and I'm, you know what I mean? I can spend three hours on something this big, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just get in there with all the detail, right? Sculpture's not like that. Sculpture's like this big thing that you work on all the time. And you have to, it's like multiple, multiple days, right? So what he did, he brings out this big hunk of clay, and he just sits in front of me, and he says, there, make your masterpiece. And I'm like, this is, this is terrible. Now, if you don't know this about working in clay, it, you can work on clay every single day. It won't dry out as long as you keep it wet and then you wrap it up in a big plastic bag, right? Okay, so you can work on it every single day, but you have to keep it moist, right? And then you have to wrap it up, and then um, every single day you can keep doing that. So I'm, I'm just like staring at this big, nasty lump of clay like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? What am I supposed to do? So I start like... I start messing with it, and I kind of realize that it's like drawing, but 3D. And I start, start, you know, start messing with it, and it starts looking pretty cool. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a big warrior dude, right? Like, I, I said, I said, 
This is going to be like an anatomy lesson. I'm going to make this big, huge warrior dude with massive muscles, six-pack abs. I was going to base him around myself, actually. Now, you all laugh, but in high school, I was hot, okay? Youth ministry did this to me. <laughs> there was a kid one time, I, I was telling that story, and the kid goes, I don't want to be a youth pastor. Pizza. It's pizza. It's, a, it's nonstop pizza all the time, and then you overbuy on the pizza. Then you feel bad about overbuying on the pizza, so then you eat the pizza for the next three weeks, okay? That's if, if you, you know, if you want to be a youth pastor, just avoid pizza. You'll be good. Anyhow, so I'm doing this sculpture, working on it every single day. People start walking by. They're like, that's looking really cool, man. That's looking awesome. I spent so much time with this sculpture that I actually named him. I'm telling you, I named him. I named him Rufus. Now, some of you ask, why did I name him Rufus? Because he looked like a Rufus. Okay, I don't know. It was just I thought it was a good name. So I named him Rufus every single day working on him. I believe that this sculpture was like the greatest thing that I had ever done, right? Like it started looking really, really cool. I believed that I was going to pass this sculpture down to my great, 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 great grandchildren, right? Like this was going to be like a family heirloom. Like this is going to be like like children years from you know now I will have been long gone but Rufus will be my legacy piece right that's what I believed when I was in high school so the day came where we had to fire our sculpture right so I took Rufus and I lifted him he was real heavy like really really heavy and I started carrying him and I had to carry him across the room and put him in the middle of this big giant kiln, right? And this kiln is this big metal structure that gets very, 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 very hot, and it will solidify Rufus, and then he'll be good to go for my great-great-great-grandchildren, right? So, I lift him up, and I'm carrying him, and I almost drop him. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's okay, Rufus. It's all right. I walk in. I walk to the middle, and I place him down in the center of the kiln. Nobody else is around. I lean in, I give him a kiss on the forehead, I say, I'll see you tomorrow, Rufus. I'll see you tomorrow. The next day, I walked into class, and nobody could look me in the eye. I said, hey, everybody, what's up? They're like, hey, Dave, is everything okay? Is Rufus okay? I think everybody knew that I was way too emotionally invested in this thing, right? And I'm like, guys, what's going on? And they said, go talk to Mr. Ludwig. I walk up to Mr. Ludwig and I said, Mr. Ludwig, is Rufus okay? And he just looked at the ground and he said, Rufus didn't make it. I know. You see, what had happened was one of my friends who was supposed to have been working on his masterpiece the entire semester had procrastinated terribly 
And so it came to the last day, and he's like, ah, I need to make something. And so he went and grabbed a bunch of clay and went, and he made this bowl. And he took the bowl, and he placed it right next to Rufus. And he went home because it was, like, late in the day. And you see what happens with sculpture, which happens with clay, is if it has a bunch of air pockets in it, right, when it gets hot, it expands. Actually, well, the air pockets expand, and they explode like a mortar round. And when you place it right next to Rufus, Rufus doesn't make it. And so, Mr. Ludwig told me this. and I said, is there anything left? Is there anything left? He reached behind his back and he pulled out Rufus's arm. And he handed it to me. I buried that arm in my backyard. Now, some of you are judging me, right? You're like, you have way too much invested in this. But if I were to delete your Minecraft account, or, oh, yeah, 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 you know, some of you are like, oh, now wait a second. That's getting real. Don't you go there. Because we all have something, right? That which we pour time into grows in value, right? So Rufus, it was the fact that, one, yes, he was an expression of my creativity and he was my grade and all of these things, but he was time, right? He was tons of time. He was my masterpiece, but why was he my masterpiece? Because I, it wasn't just like, poop, there, it's done. But, I mean, it was like day after day after day, I was pouring into this masterpiece. And he grew in value. He grew in worth. That is how God views us. Scripture tells us we are his masterpiece. God is putting time into us, molding us and forming us into ultimately into his image and likeness. And what here's here's what's really here's what's going on. It's a big word called sanctification. Okay? God is working on us. God is molding us to be more like him. This, the, if, if you hear the word sanctification, okay, here's two good definitions. One, to be set apart for the things of God. So when you hear sanctification, it's a big word. That means to be set apart for the things of God, right? Two, to become more and more like Jesus every day. And God is molding us and forming us into into our, the masterpiece that he's he's making. I mean, it's not just like boom, you're born and you are like you're it, right? Like there's this lifelong process that we go through where God is getting us ready. But what's he getting us ready for? He's getting us ready to do these specific good works, right? Every single person here has a gift. I guarantee you that. Everybody here has a, probably multiple gifts, multiple things that you are good at. If you would uh, turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. We're going to go back to Romans 12. Romans 12. <clears throat> starting with verse 4. Romans 12, starting with verse 4. I'll give you a second. All 
All right, you there? Romans 12, 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul is saying that in the body of Christ that there are many gifts, many talents, many things, and they're not, they, they weren't given to you just so that for your sake, but they were given for the edification of the entire body. You remember the junior high girl that we talked about, right? The most evil creature in all of God's creation, right? What makes her so special? What's her gift? Her gift is that she can look upon a person and in 30 seconds she can identify your weakness. She can identify that thing about you that you do not want to share with the rest of the world, that you do not find to be uh, honorable and noble. That thing, it might be something that's physical, it might be something that your eye does or that your ear does or some way that you walk, some way that you talk or something that you absolutely hate about yourself right? It's something that when you look in the mirror that you actually say to God, I wish that you would not have made me this way. This is terrible. This is horrible. I want to keep this under wraps. I don't want to be defined by that. And what does she do? She finds that thing about you and then she takes it and she puts it on display for everybody to see so she can cause you pain and suffering so everybody, they don't mess with her, right? They don't mess with her. She's great at diagnosing it. She can find that thing so quick. And she can ruin you. You know what she has? She has the gift of encouragement, but flipped. She's got the gift of encouragement, but she uses it for evil. Because I'll tell you this. Somebody who truly has the supernatural, God-given gift of encouragement, if they are using that gift in accordance with how God made them and, how, and God's will in people's lives, if they're using that, and I'm not talking to be manipulative, but truly using that gift, they can look at a person and they can find that which is most noble, that which is most good, that which is most pure, and they can say, this is how God made you. This is what is great. This is what bring, is, is honorable. This is how you should define yourself. And they're not blowing smoke, and they're not trying to play, uh, you know, jockey and social position, but they're saying, this is what is best. You know, you hear, um, if, if, if you have, like, some type of, let's say, you release a song or you do something and, and ten people say or nine people say good things about it and one person says a bad thing, they say, you'll remember that one thing forever because you, you'll forget the nine things, but you remember that one bad thing. And I think that happens sometimes. But I'll tell you this one. If you hear one truly God-inspired word of encouragement, especially from a mentor, especially from a trusted person in your life, 
who speaks truth over you, that can be the most important defining gift thing that you've ever received. Those are the things that I will take to my grave, the things that mentors and coaches and counselors and people who have invested in my life have said, this is what's best about you. This is good. Pursue this. This is why God made you this way. These are some of the good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. And you say, yes, yes, I am supposed to do this. I need to do this. I can't not do this. And there's things, I don't know what your thing is. I guarantee you God's given you something. He's probably giving you multiple things. But all of those gifts are about impacting people. Every single one of those gifts. It, they're all to be dealt with in relationship. I promise you that. Because ultimately, God cares. You know what God cares about? He cares about people. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about stuff. He doesn't care about status. He doesn't care about celebrityism, And he doesn't care about the American dream. Okay? He cares about people. And every gift that you've been given and every good thing that's been prepared in advance for you to do, it's about impacting people for Jesus. Now, our attitudes can get in the way, right? Dealing with this through the rest of this week. I want you to think on these things right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would reveal to us tonight, through this week, Lord, what are our gifts? What are these good works that you prepared in advance for us to do? God, I pray that you would give us ample opportunities. Lord, you've been pouring into us. We are your masterpiece. We are your handiwork. God, may we all go forth and impact lives for you, Jesus. In your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.